0: How many of you know tonight that the devil does not have a physical body? Right? He does not have a physical body. Why am I saying that? Because if nobody on planet earth yielded to him, there's the one thing he could do. Think about that. What could he do if no one yields to him? He's on the outside looking in. Go back to the very beginning and what was happening in the Garden of Eden was nothing but good things until Adam and Eve yielded themselves to a wrong spirit. Of course, he got in and manifested himself and they brought the kingdom of darkness into this realm in which we live. Now it's up to us since we've been born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb to yield ourselves or surrender ourselves to the spirit of Almighty God and allow the righteousness of God live in and through our lives. To be empowered by his spirit. So we can truly say greater is he that's in me than he that is in this world. Is he greater in us than he that's in this world? You remember what Jesus said in John fourteen thirty That the prince of this world has nothing in me or on me. He has nothing to do with me. Nothing. How can he say that? Because he never once yielded to the enemy. And the enemy did nothing in him. And could, could do nothing whatsoever through him, he was blocked. Why? Because Jesus said, he has nothing in me. He did not yield in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Now, in the book of Ephesians, as believers, we are told, give no entry point to the devil. We're not to give him an entry point. And in the context of which that was stated, he said this. Put away from you stealing and lying, unforgiveness, anger, and malice toward one another. What happens is when people yield themselves to those forces, those feelings, those emotions, it gives place to the enemy to operate in and through their lives. We do not want to be a tool in the hand of the enemy. We don't want to be an instrument of unrighteousness. We want to surrender our hearts and lives to God. If we want a greater manifestation and working of God's almighty power among us in this place, it starts with individuals saying, you know what? Enough is enough. I am not yielding to the powers of darkness. I am yielding myself to the king of kings and lord of lords. I refuse to let filthy communication proceed out of my mouth. But that was as good as edifying so that I do not grieve the spirit of almighty God through my life. We want to yield ourselves to him, king of kings and lord of lords. And to be honest with you, it wouldn't matter to me if I don't even preach. But we just gather together together. Yield ourselves to him and just say, Lord, have your way among us in this place. We are here to honor you, to glorify you. Fill this place with your glorious power. Show yourself strong within our midst. And you know what? I believe he wants his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Don't you? How is it in heaven? Is there anger there? Is there wrath there? Is there jealousy there? Malice there? Backbiting there? Sin there? Sickness there? Disease there, anguish there, anxiety there. None of those things exist in heaven, right? Well, Jesus said, well, pray that his will is done in earth as it is in heaven. That's how it is in heaven, and that's how he wants it on earth. We follow Jesus in the gospels. You know what you find out? Everywhere he went, he cleaned things up. He made things right, did he not? He forgave those who needed to be forgiven. He healed those that needed to be healed. He delivered those that needed to be delivered and set them free from the powers of darkness death itself had no hold on him. He was not afraid of death. As a matter of fact, he looked it right in the face and said, Lazarus, come forth after four days of being dead. You talk about resurrection power. He is the resurrection. He is the life, he said, right? Amen. I want this year, two thousand. And 20 to be a year in which we yield ourselves as we've never yielded ourselves as a people, as individuals, and as a church body to the spirit of Almighty God. And we declare to him, we surrender to you, have your way among us. I'm not concerned about the entertainment and all that that people are looking for to keep people in church. You know what? If you've got to come to church to be entertained, there's something wrong. We've come to bow to the presence of the living God, to surrender our hearts to Him, to love on Him, to bless Him. And guess what? If we'll give ourselves to Him, He'll give Himself to us. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? We sing the song, I want more of you, I want more of you. What we're re- really singing is, I want less of self, I want less of self. You realize that? Because if I want more of Him, I've got to have less of self. I've got to give myself and surrender to Him. So let's read Psalm 95. We're talking about bowing down before God. And look at verses 6 and 7. 7a. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. To bow. What does it mean? To bend the body. To kneel before God. Kneel in submission before God. Physically, yes, but also spiritually, not just physically. The heart, in other words, is in surrender before God. To kneel, we know what it means in the natural. We get on our knees before God. But it's also a sign of submission. It's a sign of surrender. I want what you want. I don't want what I want. I give myself totally to you, Lord, so that your ways can manifest in me and through my life. I want to talk a little bit about how we can activate the power of God in glorious ways, not just for healing, but in every way that we need God to manifest himself, if we will but surrender ourselves, our ways, whatever it is that we have to give over to him. And if we'll give over to him, praise God, he will manifest his power, whether it's to save, to heal, to deliver, to set free, to baptize with Holy Ghost fire, to meet needs, whatever it might be. We're going to show you some examples. Look in Matthew's Gospel chapter 17, beginning at verse 14. And let's see the posture of some of these people that are approaching Jesus to get something that they desperately needed from him. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him. Now, you've got to imagine this. You've got to look at this. You've got to see this. Here's a man among the people kneels down as an act of worship. Can only imagine what's going through the minds of these other people. Who do they think he is that he's they're going to bow down before him? But he comes and he kneels down before him. And he says to him, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oftentimes he falls into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to the disciples. They could not cure him. Jesus answered and said... Oh, you people have a lot of faith. Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Would you say that Jesus was vehemently opposed to what the devil was doing in that boy's life? He might have been a man and I don't know how old he was, but oftentimes he throws himself into the fire. He had a suicidal spirit. Oftentimes, he tries to drown himself. Suicidal spirit. When the disciples, they couldn't do anything about it. Jesus says, you faithless generation, bring him to me. He couldn't stand the fact that this young man was overcome by this suicidal spirit. But I want you to notice the posture. He gets on his knees and cries out for mercy. And how does Jesus respond? He responds... By healing the individual, casting out the devil, and he's made whole. What got the attention of Jesus? Him kneeling down before him, surrendering his all to him, giving himself completely to him, and expressing his faith in his mercy. I want your mercy. Be merciful to us. I want to tap into your very heart. We realize that Jesus was moved with compassion everywhere he went, He didn't heal to show himself to be the son of God. He healed because he was compassionate. And he could not stand to see the work of the enemy in these people's lives. Acts 10.38 makes it very clear. Everyone sick was oppressed of the devil. Not in the will of God. He healed all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. God is the healer. Satan is the oppressor. And thank God, the mercy of God is just as rich today as it was back then when Jesus walked upon the earth. Can you say amen to that? It sure is. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. Look at the next one in Matthew 15 at verse 21. You know the story, but we'll bear, it'll bear repetition. Jesus went thence and departed to the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord. Thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her, Not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. Boy, they were merciful, weren't they? They didn't want to be bothered, you know, by the problem, by the situation. She's crying after us, crying after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. If you can just see this. She is bowing down to him, worshipping him, crying out to him for help. But he answered and said, it's not meet or proper to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the rich man's table or from from their master's table. And he said to her, woman, O woman, great is your faith. Be it unto thee, even as you will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. So we see another situation where a woman, this woman, of course, is not even a, a Jew. But she comes and she bows down and she worships the Lord. She can't get his attention uh, through the uh, disciples. They want to just get rid of her. Do away with her. But when she gets down before the Lord. And she worships him. She's got his attention. That's the approach. And then she cries out for what her desire was. You've got to help me. I've got a daughter who is vexed. With the spirit. It's hard to imagine. Living. As the other man did with the suicidal son trying to drown yourself or throw yourself into fire. Can you imagine watching that situation 24 hours a day, 7 days a week when he's trying to kill himself? This one is so vexed of the devil they can't even get her out of the house. She's bound, demon possessed. God only knows what they're going through. But she's desperate enough to go to the disciples who couldn't help her. Who finally goes to get, she gets to go to Jesus, bring her to me. And even when seemingly she is insulted by Jesus, she's not moved. You know, when you have the heart of a parent and you care for your child and all you want is for them to be whole, it doesn't matter what you've got to go through. It doesn't matter what you have to experience. It doesn't matter what sacrifice you have to make. You're willing to do what is necessary to get your child free from demonic activity, free from sickness, free from disease, and you'll do it. And so what does she say? I don't want their loaf of bread. Every ingredient in that loaf is found in that crumb on the floor. You give me that crumb, I'm satisfied. That's all I need. Jesus is so moved by her faith. He cries out, oh woman, great is your faith. Great is your faith. Her approach, one of worship. From a heart, that truly honored him. Her faith, I believe. I believe you've got the power, the ability. I'm just asking for your mercy. And what happens? Jesus delivers the child. When she gets back home, can you only imagine the sight that you would have seen? Can you imagine her making her trek back home where the daughter may be bound in a bed somewhere or whatever? Who knows? Maybe frantically running around the house, demon-possessed and all that. And when she sees her mother walking down the path, and she's now in her right mind, delivered and set free, she pulls herself together and she goes running out that door. Who knows what she saw? Who knows what happened? Maybe she saw an angelic being. Maybe the spirit of our Lord himself. We don't know. All we know is she was restored. The devil was cast out. Can you see the embrace as they come together? And this mother sees her daughter in her right mind that hasn't been that way for such a long time. Can you imagine the joy that took place at that moment? You know what? This is what Christianity is all about. This is what God is all about. Jesus says, I have come to this earth to preach good news to the poor. I've come to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, Recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty to bruise to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee, the year when everyone gets back their possessions, which we've been living in that year for 2,000 years. Right now, this is the year of Jubilee, every year. We're not getting involved in all the different feast days. We understand that and all the holidays of the Jewish holiday. We're living in the fulfillment of them all right now. Praise God. Victory is ours. It's already been won. He's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. What more could he give? But here we see these first two miracles that took place were involving children. But also we see the approach was there. And we see faith was there. What they spoke out of their mouths. They came in humble surrender. They came with hearts of sincerity. And they came crying out for the mercies of God. And they came believing that he could solve their problems. And of course, he didn't disappoint. This third one is not for a child. It's for himself. Let's look at this in Mark's gospel, chapter 1 and verse 40. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him. This was after he gave his wonderful message on the Sermon on the Mount. Greatest message ever preached by any, anyone. He reveals the heart of God. He reveals what he was here to do. He reveals how the law is surpassed by grace. He reveals how a person has to live by a higher standard than the law. Because you see, the law says if you kill, you're wrong. But the new covenant says... If you hate someone, you've killed them already. You're wrong. He raises the bar. What a standard. But this leper comes. He's beseeching him. Now notice what he's doing. He kneels down. We have to understand this. We don't live back in those days. This leper shouldn't even be there. He's among a multitude of people and he's unclean. Jesus shouldn't even be touching him. He should be shouting unclean, get away, get away, get away, move away from me. Can only imagine all the other people that probably were frightened by the fact that he was there among them. So he comes down, he kneels down, says to him, if you will, you can make me clean. I know you can. I don't know you will. You've got the ability. I know you've got the power. I don't know if you've got the willingness Jesus moved with compassion. Compassion is sympathy toward the suffering of another. Coupled with a yearning, burning, eagerly desire to alleviate the suffering. He wasn't there just to empathize with him. He was there to alleviate the suffering. So he put forth his hand and touched him. And saith unto him, I will be thou clean and as soon as he had spoken immediately the leprosy departed i love that word departed when does your plane depart oh 505 pm and there it goes it departs can you see all the leprosy taking off departing leaving one by one in flight gone Departed. Departed from him. Immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he was cleansed. This man approaches Jesus the same way. He comes with a heart of surrender. He comes with a heart of worship. He comes kneeling and bowing down. You know, don't get me wrong i appreciate we can have wild times in the lord but there's nothing like we did here this half an hour before the service getting on our knees before god bowing down surrendering not just physically but spiritually and emotionally as we put all that we are into our worship of him why because we want him We diligently seek him in this place. We don't want to go along with the fad things that are taking place supposedly in the body of Christ. You know, we've got churches around bringing in their, you know, their drinks and their food and all that. Like as if we're in a theater here. And we just come to sit and drink and just, I guess, fellowship with with each other and all that. Am I criticizing that? I don't believe so. I'm making a point. We could do that at home. You can go to a movie theater. You could do anything you want. When you gather together right here, we've got one goal in mind. One goal. Show up. Show off. We want you. We're not here to satisfy the flesh. We're here to call upon your name. We're here to surrender every fiber of our being to you. We know we're living in a world that's dark. We know there's evil lurking around every corner. We know you're the only solution, the only answer to the problems that we face in this life. We are incapable of ourselves, but we're not of ourselves. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in this world. We are world overcomers by our faith in the one who gave his life for us. He said, in the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have denied the world the right to overcome you. I've overcome it for you. And if you believe that I have and add add your faith to that, you too will join in the victory that I have over the world. That's what he said. So we'll have tribulation. But, oh, thank God, thank God, he says in all situations, yea, you are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Praise God, who always causes us to triumph in Christ. Can you say amen? I am triumphant. You are triumphant in Christ. It's in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. We can do all things through Christ, who infuses inner strength into us, who gives us the energy, the power, the resources, the ability to rise up to the top and overcome. In Ephesians chapter 6, what did the apostle Paul say? What's left to do, folks, is to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Not strong in yourself, not strong in myself, but strong in the Lord and the power of his might there are two things we see here in all these situations number one the approach how did they approach the king of kings and the lord of lords they approached him with worship they approached him with surrender the bended knee meaning the heart and every fiber of their being was involved in complete submission and surrender of self in other words none of me remember what hezekiah was told get your house in order You're going to die today. So get your house in order and get ready. He turned his face to the wall, did he not? In other words, I turn myself away from any and every other resource that there is. I turn exclusively to you. He opened up the door to his problem through disobedience and sin. He knew where to turn to. In complete surrender, he gave himself to the Lord. Oftentimes, we want to receive from God without recognizing some things we've got to surrender. Some things we have to let go of. It might be unforgiveness. It might be malice. It might be vengeance. All kinds of things that can hold us back and stop us from entering into the fullness of the blessings of God in our lives. He turned his face to the wall. He says, none of this is going to help me. Only you can help me in my dilemma. I surrender my heart. I surrender my will. I bow myself to you. I ask your forgiveness. And before Isaiah got out of the courtyard, what happens? He goes back and he's told to go back and tell him, I'm adding 15 more years to your life. Imagine that. 15 more years to your life. Why? Because you bowed yourself to me. You surrendered your heart and will to me. And I'm forgiving you for what you've done. And I'm restoring to you your health. I'm giving you 15 more years of life. And what does Hezekiah say? How do I know that's true? And Isaiah says, You want the shadow on the sundial to go ahead 10 degrees or behind 10 degrees? He said, It's no big deal to go ahead, let it go behind. You ready for this? To what length would Almighty God go to show he wants someone well? He wants someone whole. He stops the whole rotation. He stops the universe, turns it back by 10 degrees, and says, You believe me now? Joshua says in the valley of Agilon, Sun stand still, moon stand still. What will God do for a man that believes him to have victory over the enemy in his life? But the ultimate, what will he do? He'll send his son to go to a cross where he will suffer and die and take upon himself your sin, sickness and disease, curse and mental anguish, all of us to prove to us he wants us well. He wants us whole. We can go on and on. The point is this, just as we can yield ourselves to the enemy, we can yield ourselves to the spirit of almighty God. To whom you yield yourself, servants to obey, that's whose servant you are and the outcome you'll experience. God wants us in this upcoming year, this year that we're in right now, to start declaring that we are going to yield ourselves to the spirit of the living God. Not to the works of the flesh, not to the enemy, but to the living God. There was a pastor who got discouraged because he felt as though he wasn't appreciated in his church. And so he wanted to give up his church because he wasn't as appreciated as he thought he should be. He was told by advisors, Did God call you there? Yes. Did God work there in that place through you? Yes, he has. We built a brand new sanctuary, etc., etc., and all this. And the people are wonderful and all that. But he didn't feel as though he was being appreciated as he should have been appreciated. So he says, I'm walking away. What was he doing? He was upset. He was giving place to the devil because his feel bads got hurt. And he started feeling bad for himself. He felt like as though he wasn't important as he should have been to the people. Or appreciated enough. He was ready to walk away from the work that God called him to. Why? He was yielding to feelings and emotions and giving place to whom? To the devil. Giving an entry point to the devil. Walking away from the call of God. Do you know how easy it is for anyone to walk away from the call of God? Every single one of us. Can. You know how many people have walked away from the church they belong in because someone hurt their fill beds? Many. Many have done that. Not realizing they're playing right into the hand of the enemy. Give no place to the devil. What did he mean by that? Give no entry point. No topos is the Greek word. No entry point, no place to the devil. Listen, he said, don't steal, but work with your hands. Don't lie. Don't lie. Don't speak words that are destructive. No filthy communication coming out of your mouth. And all that, what is all that? Giving place to the devil. Giving him an opportunity to manifest himself in a situation to get people full of strife to take them captive at his will. And you know what? People fall victim to it. And when people fall victim to it, who's manifesting himself among the people? The enemy is. Through strife, through division, through envy, through jealousy, And the list goes on and on. And as a result, let's go back to the very beginning. Go back to the beginning and see Cain and Abel. Be angry, but sin not. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. It's okay to be angry, but don't sin in your anger. And why is he angry? Cain, that is. Because his sacrifice wasn't accepted. So what does he do? He's angry, jealous, mad, in a rage. Does he yield to God? Did God not tell him, if you do the right thing, you would be accepted? If you do it the way I said to do it, you're going to be accepted too. But he felt rejected, not accepted. But his brother was accepted, not rejected. So what does he do? He takes it out on his brother. He blames his brother. He kills him. Who's he yielding to? The enemy. Whose work is being done? The enemy. Why? Because he yielded. If he didn't yield, he wouldn't have killed And the work of the enemy wouldn't have been done. The point being, we can all fall victim and do the same thing. Maybe not with a knife. Maybe not with a bat. But maybe with words that do what? Hurt people. Say things that hurt people that do what? Make them walk away from relationships. Maybe the things of God. In some cases, even the calling of God in their lives. Two things. The approach. Look at the book of Hebrews. The approach and the things we say. In all three cases, Jesus responded the same way. In all three cases, the individuals responded the same way. They approached him the same way with worship, bowing down, complete surrender of themselves, and calling out by faith what they wanted done in their lives. And you know what? Not one of them failed to receive from God. That should speak to our hearts and minds, shouldn't it? Not one of them failed to receive from God. Our approach. In the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Begin at verse 19. You say, if Jesus was around, I would do it exactly the same way that they did. Well, you know what? We've got something better than what they had. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near... With a true heart in full assurance of faith, our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. So, these verses of scripture outline for us our approach to God. How do we approach him? Surrendering ourselves to him, walking on the path that's paved with the blood of Jesus Christ. I have no approach to God you have no approach to God on your own merits. There's no possible way that you and I can gain entrance into the holiest place of God's presence and bow down before him based on what we've done, based on any of our works, which would really make us happy and excited because you know why? Your works won't keep you out either. The things you haven't done won't keep you out either. That's why you get there by the blood. The blood paves the way for us, and if we've sinned along the way, The blood cleanses us from all the sin. It opens up the door and the way for us to approach the very holiest place of God's presence. And we can bow before him and surrender. Just as they did. Do we have to get on our knees? Not necessarily. It's a pretty good idea to do so though. I remember when I gave my heart to Jesus. I was on my knees. At my home in my closet. I did it a few times. I didn't know what I know right now. Got on my knees in my closet and asked them to come into my heart. I went to work. I was up in my crane cab. Got on my knees again in all the filth of that place and just said, Jesus, I surrender my heart to you. Took a couple of times until I realized he heard me. And I knew he came in and just cleansed me. I had a joy unspeakable and full of glory. I had a love in my God for the brethren. I mean, for people. Everything looked more beautiful. I knew I experienced salvation and I was born again. We can come before him in complete surrender. I give my heart to you. I give my life to you. I give my all to you. If you give your all to him, he's already given his all to us. But that all will manifest in our lives. So we approach him, we bow down before his presence, we worship him and praise and thank him for what he's done for us. Secondly, what do we say? Because that's our faith speaking. What we say to him. Praise God is that we've got sincere hearts. We've got full assurance of faith, which means I believe in redemption. I believe in the provision of the cross. I believe that, for example, your saving grace is for me. Your healing grace is for me. Your delivering grace is for me. I've come with a sincere heart. I sincerely want to live for you. I want to give to you of myself and of my life. I'm sincere in knowing that what you've done for me is true. So I believe in your faithfulness to your word to watch over and make it good. And so I come with a true heart, a sincere heart, full assurance of faith. I am sure that you're a faithful God. I am positive you will hear me when I pray. I know you'll watch over your word and make it good because that's your integrity. You've sealed your word with the covet of blood and what you said, praise God, is an anchor for my soul so that I will know for certain that you have heard me and I have the petition I desire of you. That's a true heart, sincere heart, and full assurance of faith. My heart sprinkled from an evil conscience. An evil conscience. I'm telling you, an evil conscience is the devil's playground. If you allow him to put thoughts in your mind that contradict the blood of Jesus Christ and what he did for you and did for me, and forgiving us and cleansing us from all unrighteousness, then you'll be there in his presence and you'll have guilt, inferiority, sin consciousness, condemnation, and all those diseases of the spirit will prevent you from operating in faith. My heart sprinkled from an evil conscience. How do you know you're right with God? Because I'm washed in the blood of the lamb. How do you know he's hearing you? Because I've asked according to his will, which is his word. I know what he said to be true. And he's watching over it to make it good on my behalf. How do you know he'll show you mercy? He's already shown me mercy by sending his son to die for me. And therefore I know his mercies that endure forever are for me to enjoy and experience in my life. Knowing he is faithful who promised. He promised Noah never again to flood the earth. Did he not? Can he break that promise? Absolutely not. All the promises of God in Christ are yea, and the amen is by us. In other words, every promise is yes. Did I make you a promise? Yes. Is it a statement of fact? Yes. Then you know what? I say yes, you say yes, I say amen, I agree with it. Well, what about my feelings? What about my emotions? What about them? Can they be trusted? Are they reliable? No, I don't know about yours, but mine change all the time. Do yours change all the time? What about this thing we call feeling and this thing we call emotion? How quickly we can change like the weather, right? Instant, in an instant. You could be bop through life and you're feeling great and wonderful. In the next moment, something like a cloud comes over you and you feel oppressed and down. Why is that? What's the reason for that? Wouldn't you love to be able to just pull back the curtain that separates the natural from the spiritual world and see what's out there that's happening? You'll see the warfare that we're engaged in. You'll see the demonic activities that are taking place trying to lord it over people's lives. Trying to get people like you and me to yield to what he would want us to do and have us to do. It's so easy for us to go by feelings and not by faith. But he says, you know what? Hold fast your confession of faith without wavering because faithful is he who promised. So this is our approach to him. And what do we say? We approach by humbling ourselves before him and saying, this is what your word says. This is what my body says, but that's what your word says. This is what my feelings say, but that's what your word says. And so I'm bowing before you. I'm surrendering unto you. I'm giving myself to you. I'm not going to let petty differences move me out of your will for my life. I'm not going to let feelings and emotions move me out of your will for my life. I'm not going to let because it's not done my way move me out of your will for my life. Your will is, and tell them what the word says, your will is that I be free. Your will is that I rise up above my feelings and emotions and be weaned from them and operate in faith based on your word, not my feelings and not my emotions. And you know what? All the destructive forces that the enemy has to use to bring, whether it's sickness or disease or put friction between people's lives, all those things fall short. They fail to reach their target. Why? Because I'm not giving in to it. I'm not caving in under the pressure. I'm going to hold fast my confession of faith because God heard me and I know he's moving on my behalf. I refuse to have animosity, unforgiveness, bitterness. I refuse to have, then you name it, whatever it is that's trying to dictate to your life. I'm not going to let these feelings and emotions move me out of the will of God for my life. I've got a true heart and full assurance of faith. My heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and body washed in the pure water of the word. I hold fast my confession of faith because I know he's faithful. That promise. Look at chapter 9 of Mark in verse 22 and 23. These two verses. It's the same story of the man whose son was the lunatic, whose son was uh, possessed with a suicidal spirit, tried to kill himself, and so on. Oftentimes, it casts him into the fire, into the waters to destroy him. How many of you know the enemy wants to destroy people? But if thou canst do anything, and I'm bringing this out for a reason. Here's his logic. Here's his mentality. If you can do something, I keep hearing a lot of prophecies about what God's going to do. I'm going to tell you something. God's already done something. You want to have it happen? It's time to believe what God has done is true. And position ourselves to experiencing it by our faith. Look it. If you could do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, let me see if I can coax the Father into doing something for you. Right? No. If you can believe there's a few things that might happen for you. If you can believe all things are possible unto you. Where's the if? It's not on God's end. It's on our end. If you can believe All things are possible unto you. He's telling this to this man. And what does the man say? I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. He doesn't get offended by it. He surrenders and bows under the education that Jesus was given the man. You're looking for me to be compassionate. I'm compassionate. You're looking for me to do something. I've got the power and ability. It's not whether I have compassion or the power or the ability. It's already here. The package is complete. It's right here for us right now. It's complete. It's if you can believe all things are possible to him that believes. So let's believe the Lord is among us. Let's believe he bore our sin. Let's believe he bore our sickness. Let's believe he carried our pains. Let's believe he became the curse. Let's believe he's greater in us than he that is in this world and that we're world overcomers by our faith. Let's believe to see the glory of God on display and in manifestation every time we gather together in this place. We're not concerned about any petty thing. We're concerned about the greatest thing of all, and that is God showing up every time we gather together in this place. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hallelujah.